Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Difficult, challenging, adversity. Let me say those words again. Difficult, challenging, adversity. These are three elements that everyone in this room go through in this journey that we call life. See, there's not a person in here this morning that has not, at some point in your life, faced some sort of difficulty, some sort of challenge, or even adverse situations where actually you stepped back and the choices you were going to make were very few and the solutions were actually even difficult. Listen, when it comes to difficult times, when it comes to challenging times or even adversity in life, there are ways that we can handle it. You go, well, pastor, like how? Well, if you're taking note, we can handle it with hard work. I'm just going to work hard. And if you ever go to Joe Mabry and you ask him how you doing, he's going to tell you hard work and clean living, but that's in a whole other area. The second way is creativity. How would I be creative? The difficult things in life come, I'm going to work harder or I'm going to be creative. Those are a couple of ways. And then when life hits you hard, church, there are, there, there, there's no amount of hard work and there's no amount of creativity. And the only thing it's going to take to get us through, if we can agree, is an act from God, an act of God. Let me explain. When it comes to overcoming difficult times through hard work, I can think of no one better than a fella by the name of Booker T. Washington. You go, who is Booker T.? Well, Booker T. Washington was a man who believed in hard work. He was born a plantation slave. As a child, he carried the books of his master's children to school. But Washington loved to learn. He wasn't allowed to own books or to attend places of higher learning, so he became a self-educated man. Ultimately, through hard work, he became a wealthy landowner, the foundation of an institution, an advisor to two United States presidents, Theodore Roosevelt and Howard, um, William Howard Taft, and a man who influenced many others. Without a doubt, church, listen, he was one of the most significant African Americans in the history of the United States. So we can agree that he was a hardworking man who found that to get through life's adversities, it sometimes takes hard work. Well, what about creativity, Pastor? What about being create, creative in difficult times? Well, I like the story that Dale Galloway told in his book, Dream a New Dream, and it involves a man who owned a little store back east. In his store, he sold some groceries and some pharmaceuticals, and he sold a few little odds and ends. Well, guess what happened? He had a good business until Urban Renewal moved in and threatened his business. You go, what happened? Well, the bulldozers came and knocked down the giant building on one side of his store and put up this beautiful giant grocery store. And if that wasn't enough, the bulldozers came and knocked down the left side of his store and put up a beautiful giant department store. 
And so he would go home discouraged thinking, there's no way I can compete with this giant store and this giant department store, and I'm just a little bitty ma and pa until he got an idea. You go, what happened? He went and he spent his savings on a sign. It was to be, the sign was to be as big as the store. He would have the finest company in town make it. And the sign only had three words on it. But those three words revolutionized his business. The bright, bold sign read, main entrance here. That was creativity, wasn't it? To survive. Now listen, sometimes it takes hard work. Sometimes it takes creativity. But today, church, sometimes in life, it takes an act of God. It takes a move of God. It takes faith in who God is. Listen, that's where we find ourselves this morning. There's a man we're going to meet today in verses 43 through 54 that has come to a difficult, challenging, adverse time in his life. You go, what was it? Listen, I want you to feel the weight of what's going on in this man's heart. His son, his flesh and blood, his boy, he was sick and he was dying. And as I was studying the text and I was trying to put myself in that situation, I was thinking what kind of disease would be, and because just recently going through a cancer scare in our lives and in a cancer, I mean, just, I mean, I would just, we're just involved in that. I was thinking, what if this boy was sitting there almost with, with very life, very, very few breaths left in his lung because of cancer and he's going, man, this is, this is going down fast. Oh. Listen, he had a son that was sick and dying and he felt helpless and hopeless. No amount of money would solve his problems. No amount of hard work or creativity could heal his dying son. What he needed, he needed an act from God. He needed an act of God. And as we look at this this morning, guys, we learned some lessons on faith. And I've got to be honest with you. I could use a lot of lessons on faith. The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. We're going to look at a little bit of faith today. Now, remember where we left off two weeks ago, guys. I want to bring you up to speed. Jesus was teaching a valuable lesson in doing the work of the Father. If you recall, he sent his disciples off to Samaria to buy lunch. Okay, He had needed to come through Samaria. We know he met the woman at the well. In the meantime, he says, boys, go get us some to eat. The boys are coming back, right? She sees the woman running off, and they're like, what? But no one dared ask him anything, and then guess what they said? Jesus is sitting there, they fixed lunch, but Jesus is not eating. And I said, kind of picturing myself, I wonder if Jesus was contemplating what just happened. The woman just got saved. You see, sometimes when people get saved in our lives, we're like, yay. We do the little golf clap, yay. And we don't realize just the explosion of what just happened. There was a soul that was on its way on a downward spiral path now saved from what? From the miry clay being stuck and put on the solid rock. And I bet Jesus was sitting there listening to the angels in heaven rejoice that a soul was saved. His disciples come back and they say, Rabbi, eat, eat. And Jesus probably smiled 
And he says, guys, my work is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And they're going, what is he talking about? Jesus is always so deep, man. He's always so deep, right? And so the question we need to ask is, Jesus, what are you talking about? What is the Father's work? Well, he tells us this in John chapter 6, 38 through 40. Now I'm going to read it to you in the New Living Translation. You can just listen. But notice what Jesus says. He says, for I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not my own will. So the first thing we realize is that God is here to do, uh, Jesus was here to do the Father's will. He wasn't walking around going, hey, you, boop. He was in tune with the Father. And then it says, and this is the will of God that I should not lose even one of all those who he has given me, but I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his son and believe in him should have eternal life and i will raise him up the last day you know what the will you know what the will and the work of the father is to see people saved see people walking with jesus and it doesn't matter if you're 8 or 80 the will of the father is to see people have an encounter with jesus somewhere along the line church i feel like we've missed it Somewhere along the line, we've decided to sort of be Christian in name only, but we really haven't had a true encounter with Christ. And Jesus says, no, 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 that's not the point. I want to see people changed. I want to see them walking victoriously. When life hits, I don't want to see them run different avenues. I want them to come and seek me. I think that's a lifelong challenge, don't you, church? Uh, difficult times come in my life. I find myself sometimes running to and fro. What's going on? How can I do this? What's happening instead of running to the Lord? Well, then Jesus, guys, in our story elaborates that the food is doing the work of the Father is really in the mission field. Christ says that the world is ripe and he's waiting for harvesters. You know, I was thinking about this this morning. I was going over my notes, and I thought, you know what? I wonder if a good teaching would be, is the world harp or is or is, the, is the world ripe? You know, when something is ripe, and then what happens when it gets overripe? It becomes spoiled. You go, what does that mean? I don't know. I just thought, you know, sometimes when we go out and we want to evangelize, the harvest is not ripe anymore. People are like, I already know. And you're like, but you don't. All right, you know what? I've been, and anyway, that's a whole nother story. But, but here he's saying, listen, listen here, the world is ripe and he's waiting for you and I to go out. We have both sowers and reapers working together. Now, while this conversation is happening, look who's coming back, right? Verse 39 says, and many of the Samaritans in the city believed, believed in Jesus because of the word the woman testified and he told me all things I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, They urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Okay, everybody grasped that, two days. And many more believed in him because of his own word. And they and they said to the woman, we now believe because of what you said, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So all this is going on, and that brings us to verse 43. If you're taking notes, church, I'm calling this message, he believed and everything changed. Yo, why would you call it that? Today we discover a man, much like us, who needed Jesus so much in his life because his life was about to change, but not for the good. Are you guys tracking with me? When you think about it, right? When we lose a loved one, when 
when someone takes their final breath on earth, our lives changed. And sometimes it's not for the good. And we're heartbroken. But he believed and everything changed. His son, church, was sick and dying. And there was nothing he could do. He'd probably been to several doctors. No doctor could heal him. I could imagine for a moment the look on the doctor's face when they give you those words, there's nothing else we can do. No amount of rest for this little boy was going to make him better. You know how they say, hey, well, just rest. If you'll just rest, your body will tend to heal itself. And we could see probably at this home, this little boy was getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And every day you wake up hoping to see a little bit of life in him. And so what he does, no amount of money could bring hope. No position that he carried could bring hope. So he reached out to the only one who could bring change. And that would be Jesus. As we go through the story, I would ask that you would allow it to impact your heart and your walk. Maybe it's not a child that's sick. Maybe it's something that you're dealing with inside. Maybe it's a death of a relationship. Maybe it's a death. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a memory. Maybe it's an issue. Whatever it is. Let's bring it to Jesus, much like this man did. Look at verse 43. Now, after two days, he departed from there and he went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all things and he, that he did in Jerusalem at the feast. For they also had gone to a feast. So listen, he had been where? He had been in Samaria. Okay, they received him. They said, Jesus, please stay, please stay. Not only did they receive him and keep him, they believed that he was the Savior. But up in Galilee, okay, a little bit, a few miles up north, the people were more interested in his miracles than his mission. Well, they had seen him there in Jerusalem and they were all, oh, guess what? Guess what? Jesus is coming. Oh, this is going to be awesome. I hope he heals somebody. You know, I hope, I want to see something. Maybe call down fire from heaven. This is great. Jesus is coming. Listen, didn't, don't you have an aunt who's sick? Don't you have an aunt? Bring the aunt. Maybe he'll do something. And that's their heart. That's their mindset. They're not interested in who he is. They're interested in what? Maybe seeing a miracle. As a matter of fact, Luke chapter 4, verses 23 and 24 Then he said, you will undoubtedly quote me in this proverb, physician, heal yourself, meaning do miracles here in your hometown like you did in Capernaum. But I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. You go, what did he just say? In other words, here's what they're saying. Jesus, stop preaching and get to the healing. We aren't interested in who you are. We just want to be entertained with the things you can do. Listen, church, I want to go on record to tell you to be careful with signs and wonders. There's a day coming when someone's going to show up and he's going to be able to do a lot of signs and a lot of wonders and many are going to flock to him. The Bible tells us that. You go, well, what should we do? Your foundation needs to be in the very letters in the word of God. And when somebody tells you, look, look, Jesus is here. Look, he's doing, this man is doing this. And he's a, he raised somebody from the dead. Guys, we can stand in amazement and go, wow, that's crazy. I don't know how this happens. But we stick to the word of God. 
You go, how's that? How does that even play out in my life? Well, here, here, let me, let me break it down just a little bit better and then I'll move on real quick. Okay. When somebody comes and they say, man, I've got this new book or this new doctrine or you should be doing this or you should be doing that. Your response should be, show me where that is in the word of God. Show me where it is because I want all that God has for me. And if it lines up with scripture, I'm in. But if they go, oh, it's not part of scripture. That, no, it, it needs to line up. Well, God's doing a new thing. Listen, we got plenty enough here. We're not even doing this. Right? You know, we start Bible. I'm going to start Bible reading. I'm going to start Bible reading, Pastor. Pastor, I'm going to start Bible reading. Okay. You get to Genesis, and you're like, man, I'm rocking Genesis. This is good. You get to Leviticus, you're like, that's weird. By the time you get to Numbers, you're like, I'm at the Old Testament. I'm at the New Testament again. I'm just going to forget all the Old Testament. Because it gets... And we're not even doing this, and people are going, we need new revelation. We need new revelation. My, my exhortation to you and to me, guys, is that this is your foundation. People come and say, hey, I've got this going on. This is happening. You go, show me in Scripture. Show me. Well, not everything that happens to us lines up in Scripture. What is our response? Really? Well, you, you, you just keep that. I'll, I'll just trust the Lord in the foundation of the Word of God. Guys, they're interested in what Jesus, they want to see some miracles. We want you to stop preaching. We want to see, we want to see a light show. Now, we're back in Cana, okay? Do you remember Cana? Cana was where Jesus performed his first recorded miracle. Now, you go, why recorded? Because remember, over in, in, at the last chapter, it says Jesus did all kinds of stuff that wasn't recorded. I mean, this is when it was first recorded, and you guys remember what it was. It was turning the water into wine. Yes, very good, turning the water into wine. Look at verse 46 with me. So Jesus came to Cana of Galilee, and where he had made water into wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son. Why? For he was at the point of death. Now, I want you to catch this, guys, if you're taking note. The purpose of the first miracle at Cana was so the disciples could believe. That's what he says. He says, this would happen. Disciples are like, yes! Okay? Here's what I want you to think about this. Okay? I want you to think. When Jesus does miracles, let me ask you a question. Do you believe or do you really believe? You know, Pastor... That's like when you're in when when you're in elementary and you go, do you like me or do you like like me? You know, like what are you trying to say? Here, here's my thought, right? Here's my thought. In other words, when Jesus does something in Scripture, like turning water into wine, are we going in amazement? We'll call it amazement belief, or do we believe it to where it's transforming our lives? There's there's a big difference to stand in amazement, right? You go, what's the difference? What's the difference? This just came to me, not part of my notes. I hope I remember it, second service. Pastor Chuck used to say there was a big difference between fireworks and stars. And fireworks, we go, ooh, ah, wow. But they go up, they're bright, and then they fade away. But when all the smoke cleared, he used to say, the stars were there, shining all night long. I 
Wow, isn't that great? Do we believe, guys? Is our belief in, in, in the word of God, the fireworks? Wow, God, we can do this. And, and we're on the mountaintop and we're saying, Jesus, right? We're just excited or, and then, and then, and then they just fade away and then we're back to, well, yeah, I don't know. Or, and I, I'm preaching to me. Y'all can listen if you want to. Or is it the long lasting, the stars are there. He's faithful. That's, that's the belief I want. What's going on in the world? Doesn't matter. Stars are still there. What's happening in your life? Doesn't matter. Stars are still there. He's faithful. He's faithful. So this nobleman, back in our story church, this nobleman, if you're taking note, you can circle that. It's an official word. It's uh, it's given us from the root, for the root of king, and, and basically when you look at it a little bit, it means the official of the king. So you could either call him a nobleman or an official or a royal official. And most likely, most scholars believe it was an official of Herod Agrippa who ruled there in Galilee. And you go, what does that mean? I want you to think about this for just a second. It meant that this guy was probably wealthy, probably had some bucks. He probably had power and influence. Okay. But the problem was is that is that sickness and death are no respecter of what we have or who we are. Can I get an amen? How much money you got? Oh, I won't, I won't, sickness won't come to your house, bro. You got enough. Wait, wait, you're the who? This nobleman was what? This nobleman's son was sick, very sick. Look at verse 47. He says, and he was at the point of death. Guys, here's an interesting note that I found, very interesting. Most scholars estimate that at this time in history that only 50% of children live to age five. I was blown away. And so this was a desperate situation. Now, if this is the case, now I'm not saying it is. Okay, here's my opinion. If this is the case and this nobleman's son is under five, it makes it even all more desperate, isn't it? I mean, you know, it, I mean, it, it, it's desperate all the way across. I mean, this normal man could have said, my, my 31-year-old is sick. He'd still have a heart that's broken. But if, but if his child is five, does that change the story? I don't think so, because I want you to feel the weight of this man's plea. You go, what do you mean? Jesus was in Cana, and from Capernaum, it's 16 miles. Now, to you and I... Via car, that's no big deal. But, you know, whether he was on donkey or horse or he walked, 16 miles is still a long way when your baby boy is sick. And I want you to feel the weight of this man's plea. He heard Jesus had come to, from Judah to Galilee. He went and he begged him, Jesus, come to Capernaum, come to Capernaum, heal my son. And I started thinking about parents who've been through the trauma of having a child sick. And I even think about, you know, if you're a parent in here and you think about when they just have a cold or the flu, they have a fever, it's just like, we have to do something. <laughs> you know, and I mean, this one, this I mean, it's just like, wow. And I'm telling you, there is nothing in the world at this point. No amount of money, no amount of stocks and bonds you have, no 401k, no homes mean anything to you. You know what you're thinking at that point? I just want my kids healed. I just want them healed. I just want them healed. So Jesus responds, right? Jesus, please come. I'm begging you. 
I try to put myself in, in, in this man's sandals, and I think, I don't know if I would just be hugging on Jesus' leg because I'm not letting go. You don't understand. You need to come. Listen, I'm a man, I, you know, I've, I've got my pride and I've got my dignity, but at this point, that's all out the window. Jesus, come heal my son. Come heal my son. And Jesus turns around, look at verse 48, church. He says, he says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Okay, stop right there. Jesus, that's not the answer I wanted. I'm sorry, did I not communicate right? Did I not say what's going on? My boy's sick. He's dying. He's going to die today if you don't come. Jesus turns around and you go, whoa, that, that seemed a little harsh. Jesus, that seemed a little harsh. Well, let me give you three points that helps us with this text, okay? Number one, his response is very similar to the one he said his mother, right? When his mother was at Cana and he said, woman, what does that have to do with me? It's, it's not, it's not, he's not going like, y'all don't believe. I mean, he's not, okay? So think about this. She, his mother, wasn't offended when he said that. You know what she said? Whatever he says to you, tell him to do. She still had faith to believe. She still had faith to believe. Wow. Number two, here's what you got to see. Jesus is not talking just to the man. There's a crowd, right? How do you know? The you there is in the plural, and it isn't just directed to the men. It's directed to the crowd of thrill seekers. So he's got a bunch of people looking to see fireworks, if you will, and Jesus says, y'all, what, what's going on? Look what Jesus says. He says to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. And then the third thing, guys, the third thing is Jesus wants to do more in your life than just answer your current request. Whoa, 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 whoa. Say, say that again, Pastor. Jesus wants to do more in your life than just answer what you're praying for right now. You go, why? Okay, think about this for a minute. Meeting your need is important. But if God just heals you and you go to hell because you never understood that he is the Savior, then what good was the miracle? If God meets your needs, but we really never come to know him as Lord, Savior, and friend, then we've missed it. And so, when he says to the crowd, listen to his heart behind this. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. And he says, that's not the basis of your faith, is it? Signs and wonders is not the basis of your faith. Jesus is the basis of your faith. He said, man, I could, I could heal this person. Now, let me, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's look at verse 49. So the nobleman says to him, sir, come down before my child. I love, I love this man is tenacious. I love that he's going, no, 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 you don't understand. You need to come. You need to come, Jesus. Come. Why? Before my child dies. Now, I want you to see something very interesting. This man was wanting Jesus to what? To come back from Cana to Capernaum. Everybody see that, right? And he wanted to come and lay hands on his son. And I started to think about that. That's what I would want. Can I get an amen? Jesus, come. And then I started to think, I noticed 
that we all have preconceived ideas on how Jesus should do things. I think of Mary and Martha, don't you remember? Mary, what did Mary and Martha tell Jesus? Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus all the time had a, had a different plan about that, right? He, he raised Lazarus from the dead. You go, Pastor, what's your point? Here it is. You ready? Jot this in. I'm going to say it very slowly so we can feel the weight of this. Church, let's be careful that we don't put God in a box to work and think this is the only way that he can work. Jesus, come. Come, Jesus. Okay. In your life and in my life, let Jesus have the freedom to work however he wants to work. When we start putting him in, this is how you should work, we, we miss out on what he wants to do. Now, I ain't tripping because I, I, I'm the nobleman. I'm like, you come. You come. Why? Because it's going to take something incredible that's going to happen next. Verse 50. Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. Excuse me? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Go home. Your son lives. Go. That's not what I wanted. Jesus, you need to come, you need to come, you need to come with me. Jesus said, go home. Your son lives. Feel the weight of this, okay? Feel the weight. You go, why? Well, I want you to see something. He says, so the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. I want you to know that the man believed right here, and everything changed. All Jesus said to him was, go your way, your son, your son lives. And I want to ask you a question. How hard would it be for you to turn around and walk back 16 miles with those six little words? I'm telling you, church, listen, I've struggled with this. I've really struggled with this, and I've wrestled with this. Why? Jesus said, go your way, your son lives, and this man believed. This man believed the word of the Lord, and I know, guys, that We've come to a place where that we need to really believe his word. And if I'm being honest in church, I find myself having more faith in my worries than his word. But I'm thinking if we're going to receive from God, we have to believe God's word and not our worries. You go, what do you mean? Well, you can jot this down. You have to doubt your doubts. You have to doubt your doubts. Why? Well, faith has feet. You go, what do you mean? Well, I want you to notice that the man left. He left Jesus. And I want you to see, if you really put yourself in the story, I'm not leaving Jesus until I know. Like, like, like let's not trip about this, okay? Jesus says, your son, your son... Go your way, your son lives. I'm calling. Hey, Jesus just said, what's up? Is he okay? I don't have 
they didn't have a cell phone back then. What are you going to do? What are you going to do, church? What are you going to do? It, it all hinges on your belief, doesn't it? It all hinges on your relationship with Jesus. This dude believed. You go, what do you mean? What do you mean? I'm going to close with the fruit, and then and I'll show you why. So this man, and as he was going down, right, his servants met him and told him, your son lives. Now, trip, trip out on that, right? Yes. Now, the man does something that blows our mind. You go, what does he do? Look at verse 52. Then he inquired of him on the hour when he got better. And they said, yesterday. Everybody say yesterday. You see it? You guys see it? Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And so the father knew it was the same hour in which Jesus said, your son lives. Well, 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 listen, listen. Yesterday? Let me, let me let you in on my faith. I think my faith would have been, go your way, your son lives. I would have, I would have ran the 16 miles back to see if that was true. This man didn't go home till the next day. Because he believed. He believed. Go your way, your son lives. All right, man. Let's go. We got some shopping to do. Sir, but your boy, he's he's gonna be fine. Let's spend <laughs> spend the night. And then he's walking home. And here comes his servants. You won't believe it. What? Your boy's your boy's alive, man. He's playing outside. He's playing outside in the sandbox. When did that happen? Yesterday. Yesterday. And he himself believed in his whole household. I want you to notice the intended fruit of this miracle. What was it, guys? That he himself believed. That he would believe much more than a sign and a wonder, but that he believed in who Jesus was. Church, listen. It's not enough to come and be entertained at a church. It's not enough for us to come and go, wow, that was like a concert. Wow. The word of God to us needs to be, this is who Jesus is, and I believe. Because I'm telling you that there are going to be difficult, challenging, and adverse times in our lives. And a lot of us are going to want to roll up our sleeves or pull up our bootstraps or whatever you want to talk about. And we're going to try to hard work our way throughout through a lot of them. A lot of them are trying to get real creative. And there's going to be times when we lay me flat on our face going, please, Jesus, you got to do something. you got to do something. Last thought. Last thought. Why is it important to believe in Jesus that way? Why is it important to believe in the person 
both God and man. The man Christ. Why is it important in our lives to believe and have a relationship with him? I'll tell you why. Two reasons. You ready? Number one, this little boy who's healed eventually died. The second, not every boy in Capernaum got healed. And that's the problem. There are times in our lives when we see a miracle, guys, and we go, yes, thank you, Lord. And there are times when we sit there and we, we watched our loved one die. Because of Jesus. Nothing else. And that's why it's so important that we know the God that who created us. And we walk in him and we live in him. Because when difficult times come and challenging times come, we go, listen, my foundation is in Jesus. I was asked about three years ago, I got a phone call and said, hey, there's an eight-year-old boy who has a brain tumor. Can you come and pray? And I said, I told the Lord, no, I don't want to do this. I do not want to do this, Lord. I'll do anything else, but I'm not. And so here I go. And I'm, and I'm driving. I'm going, God, what am I going to say to these? What am I going to say? Here's an eight-year-old. He's, he's... And... Uh, That song came on, even if the healing doesn't come. And we got to minister to that little boy for over a year and a half before he left us. And so even if the healing doesn't come, our faith is still strong in Jesus. Lord, thank you for your word and the truth in your word. We surrender our hearts and lives to you and only you. In Jesus' name. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.